You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. Today I want to share something that has been on my heart, and I could do this next week because the timing would be appropriate, but I want you to be thinking about it ahead of time. Uh, I just came from a conference with a bunch of biblical scholars who just read biblical papers, which can be dry sometimes, but um, it seemed even the spirit was moving at the scholarly conference. (laughs) As somebody got up at one point, it was just like, I've never heard anyone read a paper before where I just wanted to sing worship in the middle of it. And then they just kind of broke out into song. Um, But at one point throughout that, uh, there was one scholar who was talking about hearing the Holy Spirit, which is sometimes not something you hear a lot of scholars talk about. So it was another interesting moment for me. And while he was talking about it, he said, I can usually tell when the Holy Spirit's talking to me because it's a thought that I don't sometimes want to think. Like it's not a natural thing that pops into my head. And if it lines up with scripture and it's not something that I want to do, I can kind of gather that that must be the Holy Spirit sometimes. I think that's what I'm feeling right now because for weeks now there's been kind of a, a burden on me to really want to fast during Lent, which is gonna kick off not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. And I find that strange because I've never liked to fast. (laughs) And uh, I have traditionally been fairly bad at fasting when I have fasted. I think I've shared these stories before, but like the first time I did it, I told everyone everywhere. I was like, oh, I'd love to eat that pizza right there, but I can't because I'm fasting. You know, like did that for like four days straight. Everybody knew I was fasting. Jesus' whole thing about go behind your, your door and do your private worship there and then put the makeup on so when you go out nobody has any idea no i did the exact opposite i fiddled it into every conversation that came up and as i've said many times before i learned my lesson when i ate a double cheeseburger at the end of it which you should not do after fasting for a few days um needless to say that was one time where i tried and failed miserably at the whole point uh because fasting is about something spiritual. It's about growth. At that moment, the only growth I was getting was my pride. So I was bad that time, and then the next time I did it, I was much more quiet about it, and I lasted a few days with it, and it went way better. And it was a temptation the whole time to either want to talk about it or to um, raise awareness of it. It was a temptation, too, to want to get on the scale and be like, oh, yeah, look at the weight I lost for Jesus. Go me. You know, like... These kinds of things, but um, altogether, it, it wasn't doing a whole lot of a whole lot of good for me uh, the first time, and a little better the second time. So, when God really put on my heart, figure out what to fast for this Lenten season. I've just been trying to lean into that and see what it is that He might be calling me to, and I sense maybe He's calling us all to take this Lent more seriously than maybe we have in the past. And I think in general, that's something that Lent just needs. Um, For the last decade or so, Lent has kind of bothered me because it has become something about health. Uh, Fasting has now become so synonymous with losing weight and being healthy that nobody does it for Jesus. 
And when we look at Lent, we're thinking the whole time, like, how can I be healthy for Jesus? And, like, I get it. Like, health, of course, is something that God cares about. But that's, that's not the point of spiritual fasting. The Bible has a lot of points behind fasting. And, and health was not usually one of them. Indeed, like, some really intense fasting is probably going to be bad for your health in some ways. Uh, one of the main focuses of fasting throughout the scriptures is grieving. It's a way of putting action to your pain. And so when something intense is really happening, there's this way of saying, in honor of this thing that I know is not right, I'm just not going to eat. It's supposed to be like the opposite of celebration. And you see that in Jesus' writing too, right? Like uh, the Pharisees come to Jesus and are like, look, man, John the Baptist, though they may not have liked him, like John the Baptist has been fasting and all of his disciples have been fasting and we Pharisees, we fast, but you, you're a drunkard and a glutton. You're just partying all the time. Anybody remember Jesus' response to this? We just did this a few weeks ago. While the bridegroom's in town, people will celebrate and feast. And when I leave, then there will be time for fasting. Jesus is kind of leaning into the whole ideology here, that there is a time for feasting and celebrating. Jesus is here. Heaven is coming. But there will also be a time for grief, the cross, the pain that is coming ahead of them, the martyrdom and all these things. That will be a time for fasting. So throughout the Bible, often grief is related to it. If you needed to show the pain that you were in, fasting was one of the ways that you would do it. And you'd couple that with other things that, that showed it, like wearing sackcloth, which I ain't never seen anybody do, but uh, that would be one of the ways in which they would go about it. They might shave their heads, they might wear sackcloth, they might weep and wail, and they might fast. And some of you know what that's like to fast alongside of your pain, because you've done it by accident. Remember when I was in college and I was engaged at the time and it fell apart, I was not hungry for like a week or two. Like I was just in pain. And naturally as an outlet of that pain, I didn't want to eat and I started losing weight. And I remember even my mom being like, you need to eat something. That's what grief can do to us sometimes. And that's kind of part of the biblical precedent. So. The biblical idea sometimes might be you're grieved about your sin. On the Day of Atonement, there might be fasting because people were trying to get ready to make space to offer their sin to God. And so you'd grieve about what you've done and you'd show God you're serious by, by um, not eating as a part of it. But there's other reasons to fast too. Jesus fasts in the desert. And it's interesting, uh, the reason Jesus fasts in the desert is because he's baptized with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit compels him into the desert to fast. Which is a pretty crazy story. Like, we're always waiting for, yes, come Holy Spirit. Come on my life, fill me up with all of your gifts. Oh, you want me to go where now? In the desert. Oh, you don't want me to eat in the desert? Is there anything good the Holy Spirit does to me? <laughs> yes, of course. But the goodness for Jesus of the overflow of those gifts came with the trials and testings of the desert. Go to the desert and fast. And there's a reason that fasting might be linked up 
with overcoming temptation because if you can tell one of the main things that you need in life that you don't need it then you can tell all those obligatory sinful things in your life that you don't need in life that you know for sure you don't need you can start to tell them no too if you can tell food no which strengthens you day by day by day and you have to eat or you will die unless you're one of the old Catholic mystics who have records amounts of time up to years of not eating anything other than communion. Unless you've got that supernatural weird communion gifting, then you have to eat. Indeed, that's the way that God has made us. Indeed, that's what God encourages us to do. I know there are people probably in this room, who struggle with eating for a number of different reasons. And I think what God would tell you is something different. He would say, that's not the way I designed your body. Let me teach you to eat again. You might have something hidden behind that as to why you can't eat, be it trauma or pain or something else. And God might say, let me deal with that inner healing so that we can get you back to eating again. There are some of us who uh, just treat eating as though it's nothing more than keeps our body going. And God might want to teach those kinds of people, let me teach you the goodness of food and the way I designed it and flavor and all of these things. Rather than our scientific ways these days of like, let me check how many calories and nutrients are on this thing so I can literally just have fuel to move forward. Something that they wouldn't have had for thousands of years. Though they would have been able to tell the difference between good and bad food, right? When it comes to food, there's a lot of different places we land. Those who struggle eating, those who eat just for fuel, those who are eating way too much. But then there is this mode of fasting that the Bible calls us to from time to time. Seasons that Jesus recognized. That his disciples did not need to fast while he was with them, but there would come a time where they would have to do it. And so Jesus learns to fast in the wilderness and overcome temptation. And you know, sometimes when you're fasting, the spiritual becomes really real. Um, and, and this might sound strange because we're a scientific community, and so we a lot of times want to lean into the scientific view. But sometimes when you're on a really extended, prolonged fast, spiritual elements become real around you. Um, and a lot of times today, we would just lean into a scientific view of saying hallucinatory type stuff. But in Jesus' case, he was, inter, um, he was engaging with spiritual forces in ways that almost appear hallucinatory to us. Here Jesus is fasting in the desert when Satan shows up and spiritual things start to happen. Jesus is no longer just facing temptation in one way. He's facing it face to face as though fasting has almost perhaps opened him up to this moment. Indeed, some of the Jews between the Old and New Testament said that fasting sometimes um, they thought it would increase dreams and visions because that had been their experience when they did it. And Jesus is now experiencing an increased vision of sorts in which he is face to face with Satan and trying to fight him off. As Satan comes and offers temptation after temptation after temptation. Phrasing those temptations in such a way that it wouldn't mess with Jesus. 
and try to make him think that it was just scripture. Because that's what Satan always does. That's what he did since the Garden of Eden. Twisting scripture, twisting what God says to get us to think that sin is okay. But Jesus is not weakened by his fast, which is what you think he would be at that point. He's now seeing into the spiritual realm through this discipline, and he's not falling apart. He's actually strong enough because he's been able to say no to something as monumental as food. He is now able to say no to Satan himself right in front of him. And Jesus doesn't just see into the spiritual with, with uh, Satan. By the end, he also seems to see in the spiritual with angels who come and feed him. You see something like this in the Old Testament, too, where Daniel has this dream, and he's so messed up about it. He's like, I don't, I don't even know what that dream was. What am I supposed to do with that? And, and his heart is burning. He wants to know the interpretation, but he can't figure it out, and so he starts to fast. God dispatches an angel to go speak to Daniel right that moment, but the angel ends up in spiritual warfare, and the angel doesn't get there for 21 days. When the angel finally shows up, Daniel is like keeling over. He, is, he has not been eating. And now, as he's been fasting, waiting for an answer from God, he sees it right in front of him. To us, that almost feels hallucinatory. But it's almost as though his power over this has opened himself in such a way to see the spiritual. And the angel says, Daniel, I was dispatched to you the moment that you prayed, but when I left... I had to fight off all these gods and demons to get here. And now that I'm here, let me tell you the answer to your prayer. Now, I don't know what, if there's an answer to this, but I wonder, I wonder, what would have happened in that story if Daniel didn't fast? Was he adding any spiritual component into his view in that moment was that possibly strengthening what god needed to do to get to daniel to tell him what he needed to hear i don't know i don't have an answer to that but because we believe that fasting has spiritual components to it who knows maybe he was strengthening spiritual warfare during that time to get the answer that he was praying into and you continue to see fasting go throughout the bible and it, it starts to go alongside of things that people do in the New Testament. That if they have to send out missionaries, they pray and they fast over it. And when you have to cast out demons, there's some that need to be prayed and fasted over. And maybe part of the reason for fasting and kicking out demons, um, one guy has done a lot of, a lot of uh, deliverance ministry, he says... In his opinion, when he's come across demons that really won't go, he realizes he's working with principalities and powers, things that seem to be kind of upper-level demons that might even have like kind of like a divine council authority to them. Sorry if this feels like nonsense. I get confused as to what I've said and what I haven't said sometimes. These particular powers may have much higher authority than the little ones that you often kick out of people. And maybe you have to pray and fast so that God can teach you the best way to remove these ones that otherwise can't be removed with just simple rebuke and cutting ties. 
But the Bible seemed to see prayer and fasting as something that should go alongside sometimes with deliverance, something to go alongside of raising up missionaries, something that goes alongside of spiritual things that we do to empower the kinds of spiritual movements we're making. That's all the more reason between all these different capacities that I think it would be good for 1208 to um, take seriously Lent this year. As we lean into what is it that God wants to continue to do, how can we bring Jackson, heaven to Jackson? And we've already seen God pouring out. We've already seen people repent, and we've already seen people renewed from their repentance and filled with gifts since then. The kinds of cool Holy Spirit stories I have heard out of this church have been uh, significantly higher than ever before over the last year as you have yielded yourself to the Holy Spirit. I'm excited for so much more. And so what I didn't want to do is show up on Sunday next week, invite you to fast and have three days to figure it out. I want to invite you a week and a half ahead of time to start thinking right now, during the Lenten season, what is it that God might be calling you to give up? Whatever it is, try not to get caught up in the trap of wanting to lose weight, of wanting to look good, of it all being about health and things like that. I get it. Those things often follow alongside. But really lean in and say, how can I make this not about me? What about Jesus? What is it that God wants me to give up for him? Not for myself, for him. And lean into what you hear back. And as we all kind of do that together, I think it would be cool next week if you come and you just kind of write down, maybe on a piece of paper, what what you're giving up. And maybe we'll get a box here where we can all together just kind of deposit that for the Lenten season of these things that we are setting aside so that we can really focus on God and ask for more of his empowerment, ask for more of his, his gifts, and for more of his work to be done here. And as we do that, I mean, those are the kinds of things that God pays attention to and honors. He's looking for people hungry for him. Bible says that his eyes go to and fro throughout the earth, looking for those to whom he can give his support. Let's hear at 1208 Greenwood, as we have before, grab his attention again and say, we're not done yet. Though this room may be almost filled compared to what it's been throughout the last few years, there's still more God wants to do. God, we're not done yet. Fill us up. Give us our community. Show them who you are. Work through us. So as we get ready to wrap up here, go ahead and um, go to Jesus. In whatever way you want to do that, whether you want to visualize him in your mind or just be silent and listen to his voice, But take a minute and ask him to start planting a seed in your heart right now. What is it that he wants you to give up during Lent? And then next week, we'll have space for you to kind of lay that down. But for a moment, see if he has anything that he already wants to put right there. Jesus, we pray that over the next week and a half here, you would continue to illuminate our minds as to how to press more into you. We pray that we would um, 
find you in the pain and difficulty, that we would strengthen ourselves in this church and our friends and family and neighbors through the kinds of things that we give up. We pray that we would uh, give the Spirit a space to grow in us to overcome our sins and compulsions. Just as I stand up here in this silence, I hear my stomach rumbling. And maybe that's just because I didn't eat breakfast, but maybe, maybe you're also just pushing us in the right direction. Or at least me. And I come before you recognizing I don't want to fast. It's not my favorite thing to do. And yet I cannot shake this idea that you're calling me to lean into it. So I imagine Jesus wasn't thrilled by the idea either. And yet you called him into that. So teach us to be like Jesus. Teach us to live out the red letters. Teach us to see him as a model. So often we want to lean into Jesus being fully God and not very human, but he was both. He was the identity of God put inside of a human body. And the only kinds of supernatural things Jesus did really were empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like other human beings who did the supernatural things. You limited yourself, as Paul said. You emptied yourself of the kinds of things that were godlike so that you could be fully human, even if your identity was still God. So when you do crazy things like fast, you are showing us the kinds of things that we can do as humans. When you do crazy things like walk in the power of the Spirit, you are showing us the kinds of things that we can do with the Holy Spirit. So teach us. And be graceful with us, because you know fasting is difficult. In Jesus' name, amen.